We're continuing into week number two of our series called Paper Walls, where we are talking about identifying and defeating the excuses that have been holding us back. Now, you have e- you've been on one side of the situation one way or the other, either as the child or as the adult, probably both. But more recently for me, it's been on the parent side of it, where I've been in the situation where my child will bring me back a test or a report card, and it has the wrong letter on the grade. You know what I'm saying? Now, look, my kids are, are brilliant kids, but it happens to even the best of them sometime. And much, much like my house, I'm sure you have your line where you're like, okay, you're okay up until this letter, but when you hit this letter, we need to have a conversation like what happened. And, and, and when you ask the question of what happened, why didn't, why didn't the grade land where it needed to land, then the excuses start to flow. And especially in today's parenting, you're like, well, let me bring up the screen time on your device. You say that you did not have time to study for the spelling test, but your screen time tells me that that is a lie. Because you have spent this many hours on Roblox, this many hours in this game, this many hours in Netflix, this many hours in Disney+. Plus. You had plenty of time. And it's, it's fun and it's easy to break down our children's excuses, but it's a little bit offensive when someone starts breaking down our excuses, isn't it? If it's in our marriage, that's a testy, testy area for someone else to wade into, isn't it? Our work performance, our spiritual life, those are places where somebody better tread real carefully if they want to start to critique what we've been doing, even if what we have been doing has been a mess. And so today, I want to let you know, like, I am not trying to step on any toes, but I am trying to push you forward with both hands, because I believe that God has something great for you on the other side of these excuses that have acted as a barrier for your growth. I believe that God has something incredible as we choose to define and move through the thing that has been holding us back. And today, as we get into the series, to kind of recap, last week we talked about and we tried to kind of define this idea of paper walls, that our excuses are a lot like paper walls, that from a distance, it seems like we could never get through that. Like we have our excuses that we, we try to present them as reasons, and then our reasons become because. It's like, I can't do this because, but all of that is built on an excuse and the belief that whatever this is, that you know I can't give because, I can't serve because, I can't change because, I can't be a better husband because, I can't be an involved parent because, are all built on these excuses that are nothing more than paper walls. And we say we can't get through it, but we're not willing to put our hand to it at all. And as we, we look at this series, there's, I believe God's going to bring to heart some excuses, some limitations that we've placed on him. And as he, I'm going to be a little pumped up today. And I'm going to pick on you for a minute. And I always forget to do this. You, second service, that has more people and have had more time to get coffee. Why is first service louder than you? 
Why do they laugh more? Why do they talk back more? You have more people, more coffee. I demand a little bit better out of you today because I'm gonna be wound up and I want you to be going with me because I believe, I believe so strongly that if we will grab a hold of the spiritual truth in these passages today, some of it's gonna be hard to hear. Some of it's gonna be like, Jesus, did you need a snack before you taught that message because you're coming across harsh. Like some of it's gonna be that way, but if you will grab a hold of this truth, it will propel you towards some better things in your life. Because we've seen and we've experienced this first concept that people who make excuses rarely make a difference. We know that, we've seen that. We get annoyed by that at work when other people that we expect results out of, a, out of them, they only provide excuses and we understand how much that annoys us, but how much has our spiritual life and the most critical important parts of our life been defined by saying, I am just going to recline into what I've been doing for the last few years and we give our excuse why. I can't get better because of this. This is how I am. This is how it's been. This is how it's going to be. But I'm going to tell you, if there is a loving heavenly father involved in your situation, you are not finished yet. You are not finished growing. You are not finished expanding your influence. God has more for you to do if you've got air in your lungs and you have invited him into your life. And so we're not going to be a people who are defined by excuses because this is what happens. This is the equation that I see at work in my life and so many others. It's like the calling of God will arrive. We, through listening to a message or reading scripture on our own or being in worship, we have this moment where we feel conviction that we have to step forward in some area in our life and we get that word from God and we respond to it with some sort of sentiment of not yet. Like, yes, God, it's great that you want to do that in my life and I will follow through on that once we get these things into the way that I want them to be. And we wouldn't say it like this, but it's like, God, I'll do what you want once all of my conditions are met. And we make a statement about who is really in charge. But I want to tell you that if you think that you have made some sort of deal with God of saying, God, I'm going to put you onto my terms, God did not sign on the dotted line. God sets the conditions and then we receive them. We don't give them back to him. And we know that, yeah, yeah, there we go. Come on, girl, go with me. All right. We, we know that in our head, but we do that. And so th this is the way that I'll say it that might make it a little bit more clear. We have had more faith in our fears than we have had in our heavenly father. How many times have we been like, you know what? I, I would step out in my faith, but if I do, this could happen and it could be terrible. And so we don't move, even though we have a sense that my heavenly father wants us to go, wants us to grow, wants us to serve, wants us to make a difference. We have a sense that God wants this, but our fears whisper this to us. And so we end up not moving and we've listened to our fears. And so if the fears are whispering in one ear and our heavenly father's whispering in the other ear and we listen to our fears, who are we showing is the Lord of our life? It's our fears. That's where we've had more faith in. And so I wanna challenge and I wanna propel you guys today to just understand and see the reality of how we live our life because this matters. And I, I wanna start with this, this underlying principle. You cannot earn grace. You cannot earn your way into heaven. It has been paid through the person of Jesus Christ. His death on the cross was to pay for your sins and give you new life. You cannot be good enough to make up for your mistakes. That, that, that forgiveness is only found in God's grace and his love. Amen? 
All right, so that's a starting point. But do not miss the important and critical truth that the way that you live matters. It matters so significantly. And as you study Jesus' teachings throughout the Gospels, you will find a call to action in them. And an important thing about his teachings, especially the parables, as we're going to get into some parables today, I want you to kind of be looking as we get into the parables that there's always someone in a parable who, who represents God and there's a person who represents us. And there's usually a few options about which one will represent us, and we're going to see that today as well. But I want you to be looking, okay, where is God in this parable, and where am I in this parable? And as we look at living our life in, in this truth that we've been using excuses as paper walls to say, I would do that, I really would, God, but I've got this thing that I can't get through. And you're going to see, Jesus is going to have some words. Like, we think of Jesus, and Jesus is, is perfect and he is loving, he is truth and he is grace. There are times where his truth does not feel like grace, but I'll tell you, he loves you enough to hurt your feelings, to keep you from continuing to hurt yourself. And you're gonna hear that in his voice in some of these statements. We're gonna look at the gospel of Luke chapter nine, starting at verse 59. And, and if you haven't read all of Jesus' teachings yet on, the, on, on your own, this might shock you a little bit, but look at this. Jesus has been teaching and he's inviting people to become his followers, to become his disciples, to travel with him, to see miracles, to see people raised from the dead, to see the gospel proclaimed. And in verse 59, he said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, but he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Ouch. Like, what, what's, did we skip lunch today? Are we fasting today? Is, that, like, is there a mood thing going on? I want to tell you, he spoke exactly what he meant to speak. And in the invitation that was given that was met with an excuse, Jesus spoke a truth that was hard to hear. And in this culture, I want to make sure we wrap up some cultural things in understanding this, that if this man's father had already passed, he would have been with his family preparing the burial, preparing everything, because when someone passed away, they were buried in the same day. Like days did not go by before the burial in most cases. That was the cultural normality. And so what he's asking for is his father is probably old. He is probably sick. It could be days. It could be weeks. It could be months. It could be years. And he's saying, Jesus, I would love to come and follow you, but you don't understand. My father is passing, and if I leave before my father passes, then I might lose my inheritance. I might be looked down at my family. I might miss a critical point. And though, you know, right, like, I mean, think about the moment. This is the moment that where Jesus was on earth. And there are very few people who got this invitation, and we should know this guy's name. If he had said yes to the invitation, we would know his name. But we don't because he said no. And I want you to know that Jesus honors marriage and he honors the family. There were times where he healed someone and the person wanted to come with him. And Jesus said, no, the right thing for you to do is to go back to your family. Go back to your city. You're healed. Go be with them. You've been away from them for far too long. Jesus had those interactions. But in this one, he said, no, you're supposed to come proclaim the gospel with me. And if there's anything that you take from this passage, I want you to understand that Jesus is going to just drive in the truth that when you are called, you are expected to respond. That delayed obedience is disobedience. When God 
calls you to do something, he's not saying just do this later. He's saying respond now. So many times we see the the statement, today is the day of salvation. There are moments and there are opportunities that will pass by. It continues to be pushed for this truth into verse 61 of the same chapter in Luke 9. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Was Jesus feeling patient today or what? And I love this passage because the, the hard truth that's in there, but it's such a reasonable request. Like if any excuse was valid for putting God off, it was like, just let me go say goodbye real quick. And Jesus broke out a farming illustration that if you were plowing a field and creating your rows for your crop and you began looking behind you, your line for that row would get off. And then that means wasted space and that means less harvest. Because as your line goes off, now you can't bury as many plants, as many seeds to grow as many plants as you could before and affects the harvest. You can't be looking backwards when you're plowing forward. And And he gives this illustration that when you put your hand, you need to be all into it. And so the thrust of this passage is, is that when the invitation is given, when the instructions are given, there will be so many barriers that seem so realistic, but Jesus' response to those barriers, to those excuses that were presented of, I can't right now, God, Jesus' instruction was go anyway. It it stuck in my heart as I was reading and re-preparing for for this week in verse 60, when when Jesus said, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. When you think about Jesus proclaiming the kingdom of God, the person's worries of my father is gonna pass away. Jesus healed so many people. Just people coming up behind Jesus and reaching out and touching the hem of his cloth were healed. People were brought back from the dead and his concern that my father is gonna pass and I won't be there to be part of what's happening in the family that probably would have been met if he just said yes to the invitation of God. Do you know that if you seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will be added? Do you know that, I love it, discipline spills over into every area of life. And so when I see someone whose their entire life is a wreck, but they begin to get things right spiritually or they begin to get things right like physically, if they start to get into shape, I love to see that. Because even if spiritually they're not right, but they begin to physically get things right, when they get physically healthy, they start to realize, you know what? I need to get healthy in these other areas too because discipline always spills over. And so if you will begin, God might be saying, and you might, you might be in a mess right now. Like, and I say that because I've been in plenty of messes. Like I know I am experienced traveler of messes. And he might begin to talk to you and say, you just need to get this one area right. And you will say, this one area, it's so small. And I have all of these walls and all of these problems and all of these things that are a mess in my life. Why would I worry about this right now? If you will just respond to the call of God, he's going to make those other paths straight. He's going to fix the other things. He has wisdom that is outside of time itself. He sees the beginning and the end. He has all knowledge and all power. And so when he asks you to take a step forward, you may not understand why. 
But I can tell you, if you will just take that step and meet him there, you will see how he will use it powerfully in your life. And all of these concerns that, that rang up, all of these fears that whispered in at the same time of the voice of God that said, it's all gonna fall apart, you will see how they all fall into place instead. The invitation, there's opportunities that come and pass. There's opportunities that are here today that you cannot grab a hold of again. And God will still have a plan and a purpose, but there will be things that you miss. There are seasons that pass. You will not have an opportunity to to go back and raise your children again. You will not have an opportunity to go and set the standards in the first year of your marriage of how you live, how you serve, how you love. That first year of marriage, it's here and it's gone. And you can repair your marriage into the 15th or the 20th, but it's a whole different job, isn't it? We've got to grab a hold of these seasons and these invitations that God gives us to obey and to follow. I will follow you, Lord, but first, but first, I wonder what your but first is. What is your excuse of saying, I would follow God, but I want this first. Our negotiations, our excuses, they're paper walls. They're not actual barriers. Because God is in the business of opening those things up. And I want to tell you, he is willing to, Jesus in his teachings is willing to step on some toes and hurt some feelings in the effort of helping you see the truth. And so if you were presenting to him, I will follow you. But first, one of the ways that he responded to so many conversations with people were with parables. And parables are stories that Jesus would tell. And from what we know, they are not actual people, actual situations, but they're stories that he would tell to teach a truth, to help us understand things about the kingdom of God. One of them that is to this topic and subject is in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. This is a longer section of scripture, so hang with me. Build up the mental aptitude to make it all the way through this passage with me. I know it will be tough, but it's a story that's easy to understand, and it's a story you might be familiar with. And we'll put this up on the screen as we read it. Matthew 25, starting at verse 14. Jesus is teaching, and he says, Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servants who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, 
I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops where you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, now remember, this is a parable. Jesus is teaching through this, all right? But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered where I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I think someone might have offered Jesus a Snickers bar after this. Like, you're always so kind and compassionate. What's going on? Your love. There is an important truth that needs to be taught that is worthy of stepping on toes and riling people up a little bit that people so often miss. The way that we live, it matters so significantly. And what we all want to hear at the end of our life when we reach the point where we stand before our Heavenly Father is come and share your master's happiness, good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear. But the person who comes before him, first of all, the third servant, he makes some statements about his view of who the master is, doesn't he? He says, you, you take things that aren't yours. You take the harvest when you didn't do the work. And so I'm just bringing back to you what you gave me and nothing more. The, the way that scripture is written is, is always very intricate. You could read it a thousand times over and continue to discover intricacies of what Jesus did and how he taught. It's not by accident that when he talks about the servant who took the, the one bag and he hid it in the earth, that did you know that, the, that Adam's name, like Adam from creation, his name means earth, his name means dirt? This one servant that was given a gift that he was supposed to use, he just hit it in the dirt. If God gives you a gift and you just keep it into yourself, you keep it buried beneath your surface, and you think that at the end of your life, you're gonna go stand before God and you're gonna just bring back to him what he gave you, that you never used it for him. You never used it for his kingdom, that there's gonna be celebration. Jesus is trying to call out to us and say, the way that you live and use what God has given you matters. And the risk, there's risk there. We understand that Jesus tried to teach that the master isn't right here next to you while you're using the, the things that he's entrusted you into. There's a sense that it could go wrong, but you are so much better off using it and taking the risk than being the person who just buried it within yourself. You have a gift. You have a capacity to make a difference and you have a timeline that you're on. There will be time and there will be opportunity and it will pass by. And you don't want to get to the point where you're standing before your master and you say, I never did anything with what you gave me. And then the term weeping and gnashing of teeth, that's used in scripture to indicate severe regret. It's not about pain in this particular passage. It's about regret. When the servant is cast out, there is an extreme amount of regret for what he did not do. 
You know, in, in, in lighter things, in financial things, uh, financially, I think that we all look back and we're like, man, I should have bought some Bitcoin. Like, right? Like, there's some regret there. We're not weeping and gnashing our teeth about it. But we're also not the guy who, in 2010, was one of the first people to buy something with Bitcoin. One of the first people to buy something tangible with Bitcoin. He spent 10,000 Bitcoins on two pizzas. People who know how much Bitcoin is with, they just moaned because that terrifies them. He actually, over the course of one month, spent 100,000 Bitcoins on just food and junk to show that you could use Bitcoin to buy stuff. Do you know how much 100,000 Bitcoins is worth right now? About 3.8 billion with a B. He spent $3.8 billion in food in one month. He's got a little bit of regret there. He, he could be done, and he's just continuing to work, and he kind of laughs about it. I read an article about his perspective of it. He's like, I had no clue what it would be worth in the future. I've got no real regret about it. You've got regret about it. You spent $3.8 billion on pizza. <laughs> Let me tell you a truth. You have no clue how every generation that has lived before you, that has passed through their life and entered into eternity, looks back at the opportunity that you have right now and what they would give. If I could just have my life to, to pray for some people, to do some things for the kingdom of God, because what you do for the kingdom of God, it has a worth that you do not fully grasp. That when you stand before your heavenly father and he will actually celebrate the times where you served other people, the times where in service to him, you did something that made a difference in someone's life. You do not have a weight of, you don't understand the weight and the gravity and the importance of what your worship means here on this side of life, of your service, of your love, of your prayers. You don't understand how critically important it is. And if you could see what life was like on the other side of eternity, it would change the way that you worship and live. Jesus tried to tell us in so many different passages, in so many different ways. He said, store up your treasures in heaven, not on earth where moth will destroy and thief will steal. Store up your treasures in heaven. The way that you live matters. Band, if you guys would come up, I'm going to begin to move this thing towards a close. Jesus is, is teaching and he's giving this parable and there's three different servant, servants. And one of the things that stuck out to me in this passage that stands contrary to what the third servant said, and, and, I, and I didn't notice this before. I noticed it this week as I was re-going through the, this message. When he says, take the one bag of silver from the servant who did nothing, he says, give it. He didn't say give it to the one who had 10. He said, give it to the one who has 10. You'll notice in this parable, the master actually never took back the treasures. And he gives this, this concept, the one who does the most will continue to have even more and have abundance. And this isn't a teaching about accumulating wealth, but this is talking about things that really matter. When you begin to put your hand and your effort and your focus on doing things that really matter here on earth, here in your family, things that matter eternally in heaven, entrusted with a ton or you're entrusted with a little, you have an opportunity in this life right now to do something with what God has given you that will make a difference and something that will multiply. But the thing is, we have been meeting the opportunities that God presents to us like this wall. And we say, this wall is made of brick. This wall is taller than I am. It has mortar in it that is dried. I could never push through this thing. 
I, I have been stuck in this place for so long. I've been stuck in these addictions, these behaviors. My grandfather was this way. My great-grandfather was this way. I cannot change. And if you have been saying that, you have to put what you have been living and what you've been thinking, what you're saying against the truth of the word of God because God's word never fails. And if you have placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, if you have confessed with your mouth that he is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, scripture calls you a new creation, that the old is gone and the new has arrived. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the apostle Paul writes to the church and he says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. And so why have we continued to, to, if we are a new creation, why are we still holding on to old limitations of saying, I can't do that, I can't pray, I can't step out, I can't serve, I can't change, I can't be a better spouse, I can't be a better parent, and we have these excuses that are nothing but paper walls. And there has to be a moment where you grab a hold of the truth that I am a new creation, that God is able, that in his strength, I am able to come to this wall that has been a barrier to me for so long and say, I'm not gonna be stopped by this anymore. And it's not gonna be my strength, but I know that as I put my hand to it, God isn't gonna enable me to move through it. And this excuse that has been a wall for me is gonna be just another part of my testimony that I've moved through because anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. And so what has been stopping you? Where has your barrier been? You cannot defeat what you will not define. And so figure it out. Ask God, where have I been holding up in my faith? And I know that I am your child. I am adopted into your kingdom. And whatever has been stopping for me, you can open that door and I will put my hand to it and move through it. Because I know anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. And I am a new creation. And I have a new calling. And I have a new opportunity. And I'm going to move through it with no excuses. No excuses anymore. So church, stand with me as we sing. Settle it in your heart between you and God. As he brings it to your mind, as he brings it to your heart, through the song, speak out to him that you're going to progress forward. You're going to trust him that he will be the Lord and no longer the fear that has been speaking to your life. In Jesus' name, so it will be.